You're in the doghouse, and we're all less than a week away from Mississippi State kicking off another campaign. So, what will the Bulldogs do in 2022? That's what we're here for today in the doghouse on the Believe Network. Welcome back for this final preseason edition of the doghouse brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. And the games have started. Now, to be clear, I didn't spend all my Saturday focused on a TV screen. I actually tried to take advantage of Mississippi's marvelous Second Amendment affirming tax holiday on firearms and gear. Unfortunately, the offer on my Beretta just wasn't enough, so I'll try to make the darn thing work for me and stop printing way left and low. Awful rest-wise, guys, it's not just my grip or trigger press. It's printing badly left. Anyway, listening to Northwestern hold off Nebraska en route both ways, it was quite an entertaining broadcast. Uh, more entertaining was Dan Mullen's commentator on TV afterwards, because he sure sounds like someone who would take a call from a Lincoln area code. Actually, I kind of consider that a good fit and a good chance for Dan. I mean, an old name program, a big fan base, lots of money, in the easier division of a major conference. Wait, Dan's tried that before, hasn't he? Oh, well. This was recorded before Vanderbilt surely gets the first SEC win of the season, and if not, oof. I picked the Commodores to cover in our staff predictions. Now today, it's time to step on out and predict what Mississippi State will do for this full season. Uh, but first, let's thank our sponsor. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the National Football League, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. Hey, BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting to props and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device, which we used to call phones, to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code. Believe 50, that's capitals, B-L-E-A-V, 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And Mississippi State starts it up next Saturday. As for this Saturday, Mike Leach ran what will be his third Mississippi State squad through a final tune-up sort of session today. When they return to Scott Field, it will be, no, not next Saturday, because this head coach is an absolute believer in working at least once on the real field each season game week. Never mind the time crunch that puts the field maintenance crew under. He still does it. So then a couple days later, it's time to show up on Scott Field. It's time for the fans to show up at Davis Wade Stadium. And I want to repeat something that uh, Athletic Director John Cohen told me back in uh, early spring when the schedule came out and it was announced that Mississippi State had drawn a 6 o'clock kickoff time. He said Mississippi State, not just the athletic department, but the university, really went to the SEC and network partners begging for a daytime kickoff. And of course, you remember what happened a couple of years ago when they opened uh, with, uh, what, Southern Miss at home and daytime heat. Yeah, I remember because I was dumb enough to wear a sport coat on the sideline that day. Won't make that mistake again for a while. And other such daytime situations. Mississippi State fans have begged, even demanded for years, to get a nighttime or at least evening kickoff for the first game of the season so they can go pester the dove all afternoon. You've got your chance. 
As of Monday evening, when I talked to Cohen again, uh, the story about facilities and the future of Scott Field, uh, Davis Wade Stadium, some of the updates already finishing up this year, the balconies, the new ribbon boards and scoreboard panels, as well as plans for the south end zone and additions and changes to the west side to uh, make it easier seating for everyone, it's still on the website. But we talked Monday, and he said, as of that time, they're looking at probably a crowd based on advanced sales of 55,000 or so for a 61,000 seat facility. Plenty of time for more fans to buy as they check out the weather, check out the matchup, and just check out what we have to say about this Bulldog team. A lot of good things have been said in camp. Yeah, there's some lingering questions. Uh, will Jaden Crumity and any other Bulldogs ad- absent from last week's public scrimmage, uh, which was also open the last day of preseason, be available? Has right guard been settled ahead of game week, or does that competition continue? Who's going to be the ninth and 10th receivers in the game one dress roster? Uh, does Jalen Green keep his starting safety job over Corey Ellington, and does it matter? Will both play? And by the way, have the place kickers gotten the training camp misses out of their systems in time for making kicks that count? That's just some of the lingering questions after camp. We have not been able to watch the Bulldogs practice our scrimmage since a week ago Saturday. But let's be clear. 15 days of direct observation is, I I suspect most if not all our SEC media peers will envy the degree of access allowed Mississippi State's media. Don't take it lightly, gang. You've had the full reporting about that, and we should get our media schedule for this coming week shortly. So thank you to Leach for letting us take care of that. Now look for the return of Rose Bowl and Uncle Dave talking what we learned this fall on Mondays and including most game days. As of now, uh, I will be at all games except Arizona. Steve will be making the Arizona trip probably solo from our team. Also, as for the site, look for a new feature this coming week. We're still working out some of the kinks, uh, some of it due to my own techno-ignorance. But the plan for the doghouse is to have former all-SEC Bulldog linebacker and just playing great guy Mario Hagan join me as co-host. We ran a test show over the weekend and found out what we did and did not work with the three-way audio link-up recording and eventually hope to have video to go with it. Consider yourselves warned. And now, consider your following predictions a warning for entertainment use only. If any of you are um, reckless enough to take what I state about state and apply it towards sporting wagers, betonline.com if you must. Well, there's a reason why I write and talk about the team and don't set lines and such. It's called overthinking, which I am grossly guilty of in most cases. That said, what do I think about this team? Getting the main thing out of the way, I've said to several friends, including some Mississippi State uh, athletic staff, since the first week into camp that, snap impression, this looks like a nine-win defense, a seven-win offense, and so that comes out to a rather neat average of eight and four. And that's what I'm coming down on. Eight and four is the record for the 22 Mississippi State Bulldogs, which also happens to mirror what the majority of you fans who've been posting on jeanspage.com have also come down on. Eight wins out of 12 chances. And to be fair, not a few of us would sign up for that sort of deal today, sight unseen. On this schedule, eight wins would put Mississippi State in very good position for a Florida Bowl or perhaps the Texas Bowl. 
Okay, I'm not counting the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa St. Pete as a Florida Bowl per se, if you want to be persnickety about it. Though, admittedly, I did enjoy that 2016 trip greatly. And by the way, speaking of bowls, have y'all checked out the new name for the Outback? What the heck is ReliaQuest? And now here, Texas is sponsored by Tax Act, which doesn't sound nearly as much fun as Academy Sports. All right, I digress. The editor thinks eight wins. So, who are the eight? Let's get the obvious out of the way and put Bowling Green and, yeah, I had to check it out myself and remind me that it was East Tennessee State. Let's put them in the W column. Those are automatics for any team worth a shoe contract, and if not that case this year, there's some other contracts that are going to be in danger. I'm not worried about that. Now, in the next group of probable wins. Yeah, I remember too very painfully well what happened in Memphis in the regular season last year. Parenthetically, I've managed to forget most of what happened in the postseason on that same field. Don't want to remember it. Still, my confidence level for this rematch with the Tigers is a lot higher just because this is a better Bulldog team than the one which still should have won last year. That team was one play away from clinching things in the third quarter, and had they been a little more comfortable with themselves or confident in their play calling or execution or just not drop a ball to start the first series, they clinched that one by the third quarter. I think this squad should be able to seal such a non-conference deal in 2022 because they're older, more confident, more cohesive, have an idea what they're doing offensively much better. I just think they take care of Memphis this time around, as Mississippi State always should. Arizona, I'm kind of flying blind here, and it's a good thing it's not an opening game. These Wildcats, as I understand, are a rebuild job. Now, in the portal area, rebuilds are a whole different deal than they used to be, and Arizona certainly went after transfers pretty big from what I understand. That said, it should take them time to get everyone in places, and they have to open at a San Diego State team next weekend, which is earning some pollster votes. So I'm a thinking State sweeps non-conference play this year, and that they'll be 2-0 and headed to, yeah, we're in the thickest tier predictions, that messy middle where, frankly, every Mississippi State game can go either way. So let's go with it in calendar order. LSU, to me and most of y'all, it seems, has already been pegged as kind of the pivot point of an entire season. That's tough to, you know, pun down your third game as the pivot point, but realistically, that's what it's shaping up as. Because if you go win in Baton Rouge, a 4-0 start sets up. And like I said, Bowling Green. Now, remember how frustrating it was in previous years to play LSU so early in the season, back when Mississippi State had all the unknowns and LSU was always a proven commodity? It's a pretty big role reversal here, as while I think Brian Kelly is a good hire, if not necessarily a good fit, there's just enough offensive questions in Tigertown for optimism in week three of a season. A lot of athletes? Well, you take that for granted. But Mississippi State has a lot of athletes, too. So I'm optimistic. I really, really want to agree with Steve Robertson's positivity about Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Kentucky. He's convinced State can take them all. I do think the Aggie program recruits much better than it performs most years. Also, they're going to be coming off a stretch of playing Miami and Arkansas, 
And a week after state, they'll be staring at Alabama. And don't you know, everybody in the state of Texas is going to be staring at Alabama and probably overlooking Mississippi State. Except, of course, it was Mississippi State that took the wind out of their 2021 sales after they'd beaten the tide by just slapping them around on Kyle Field. Now, it will be Texas A&M's first road game of the season. So why Aren't I feeling all optimistic about scoring another upset at Aggie expense? By opposite token, I'm more inclined to think Arkansas will be vulnerable, certainly on Scott Field. Now, they'll have just played at A&M and hosted Alabama in consecutive weeks before taking on State. I confess, Stan Pittman was a better hire than I expected at first, but I just can't get past how it's been done for two years with a whole lot of inherited COVID seniors and juniors. And I think Mississippi State's defense this year can get a grip on their run game and force K.J. Jefferson to the air without, as of today, a proven problem to cover. A lot can change between now and then. Again, all these predictions are based on what we know about State and what we do or know or think about the other teams as of today. So much can change. Uh, Picking today, I just think State is in good position against Arkansas. That doesn't mean I'm calling a win, though. Stay with me. And Kentucky. Were this in Starkville, write it down as a win, just because. It's in Lexington, where they are an utterly different club of cats. Mark Stoops has done a fine job and points to him for jawing right back at their pompous bouncy ball coach in public, which once upon a time was unthinkable in the bluegrass, unless you were named Bear Bryant, and even he left there when he saw the obvious. That's a long time ago, kids. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Forget it. Of course, it means now that Stoops had darn well better deliver on the field this fall after taking on his basketball counterpart. What I do know of Kentucky's club this year does seem to suit Mississippi State's strengths in general. It's just that you know Kroger Field has been tough shopping since 2016 for Bulldog teams, regardless of coach. And I do mean three different coaches have gone up there and just performed badly, particularly in the last two losses but unnecessarily badly in those cases. The games were closer than they looked. Yes, even that fiasco in 2020 up there. It was still a competitive game had the offense even remotely showed up that day. So there, that's four matchups. LSU, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Kentucky, which should define this team, this season, and set up most of the bowling scenarios. Now, should Mississippi State take any three of those four? Well, we're going to a really good bowl, gang. It's just that this is such a meat grinder stretch, and my natural caution, or more likely too many years' experience, is just shouting in the back of my head, two and two. Now, which two and two? Well, I'd love to weasel out by saying it's all about injuries and home field and all that, but I can't not be honest with you folks. So, using the ultimate measure of What if I were putting money on it? What would I say? I think State beats LSU and beats Kentucky. Though, honestly, out of those four, I will take any two of them in any combination because it all comes out the same. And as said, if you, say, take advantage of either Arkansas and LSU or or A&M, more likely Arkansas, I think, you are cruising into the second half of the season. But say they go two and two. Now that makes it six and two for convenience sake, and by the time, say seven and four, 
because, frankly, we're going to go ahead and put Alabama and Georgia in that other column. Sorry, just how I see it, and be happily to be proven otherwise. I don't think either is unbeatable, but I'd sure rather play Vanderbilt again this year than Georgia. All right. Meaning, yes, I am right now counting Auburn as a win. I was going to already before news broke that their athletic director had been dismissed already. Well, okay, five months ahead of it, he's gone, but he's been told he's gone, so he's going to be in cruise control for the next few months. It means they're counting on a new athletic director to go hire the next coach who will do wonders for the program's mindset this fall. Think about it. You're dumping your AD, you're looking for the new guy already, and he's going to be coming in expected to make a coaching change. How do you handle it this fall? What's the phrase they use? Auburn's going to Auburn? Well, and expect another story on dead money owed to fired coaches. I mean, what When it came out two years ago, Auburn already led the world, make that maybe the universe, and how much money was tired of in former coaching contracts. Go ahead and plug in another one at this point. I, it, it's, it's fascinating to watch in a train wreck sort of way. But it should mean that Auburn, who will always have athletes, you can't not have athletes at Auburn. That's just the fact of nature there. But will they have a team that even cares about playing football at that point? Yeah, maybe so, because you're trying to prove it to the whoever comes in next as coach. Wait, that's old thing. This is the portal area. All the old rules are out, and I'm trying to adjust to them as well. Make it 7-4 and four again. Which brings us to win number eight. Need the ask? You know, while I'm opposed to moving the Egg Bowl out of its season finale slot, this would be a darned fine year to play these particular Rebels on opening day with these particular Bulldogs. Uh, Who knows what either club is going to look like by Thanksgiving night. I do know that there's no way in August I'm about to call an L for an Egg Bowl. I haven't done that in a very long time, and fortunately, in 2016, I was wrong in 20. 2003, I was right, but you get the idea. Just so much can happen between now and the last game of a season. But here in August, I'm going to go ahead and call it as a win just because. So there you have it, my utterly unofficial and absolutely speculative predictions for 2022. Mississippi State goes 8-4. and four. Which bowl does that put them in? Well, I've done a little looking at the bowl pecking order this year, and besides the funky names that some of them are coming up with now, Eight and four. I tend to think that probably puts you in Jacksonville again. And by the way, for those who made the trip in 2017 and saw the um, sad state of affairs down by the riverside, that was already being addressed. I'm told it's a much nicer, cleaner downtown now. So maybe it's back to what it was in 2010 when maybe the second most fun bowl I ever attended happened. Actually, it was the most fun bowl week period I ever attended in 2010. Best bowl is still the uh, 2000 Snow Bowl, which I was telling Kathy about the other night, and she said, Snow in Shreveport? I said, yeah, I had to be there. I was, and I survived getting back, like this some of you. But that's 22 years ago. Jacksonville, Gator Bowl? Yeah, I would, could live with that. I'd kind of like the Texas Bowl, just for the novelty of it, indoor stadium, um, find out whatever the heck Tex Act is. Now, 9-4? and four? We're thinking the new, what was that sponsor again? Oh, I, I still call it the Outback Bowl. Uh, well, out there in Tampa Town, 
and chance for state to make up good on what they should have done in 2018 down there. But that's why we call it predictions. It doesn't mean any of it's going to come to pass because state, again, is still, yes, the depth is better in most positions, but state is always just one rolled ankle away from a bad stretch of games just because of the nature of this schedule. I'll repeat it again. If this were the 2022 team playing the 2021 schedule with the expected improvement in the kicking game, a much saltier defense, and an offense that, yes, we're going to miss Charles Cross. No way around it. The offensive line misses Charles Cross, and the right side of the line is still a work in progress trying to figure out who fits best there. But the cohesion between Will Rogers and his receivers, two proven running backs and a third guy who's coming on strong in Simeon Price, a better understanding of the offense, and just seems to me in the scrimmages and the practices we were able to watch, not just more cohesion, but more confidence, more snap to the offense. Yes, the first scrimmage looked bad statistically, but it was closer to being productive than the numbers showed. You just saw that this defense is really, really good out there before they started taking a few injury hits. And again, if you can hold Crumity out until the LSU game, fine, you can do it. I think Emmanuel Forbes will be fine for opening week as well. I just feel that Zach Arnett's unit is ready to go into the season full steam, almost in mid-season form already, and certainly deeper, stronger, faster, and much more confident, far improved safety play, good coverage, lots of depth on the front line to repeatedly, repeatedly rush the passer with and create turnovers and set up this offense for better field position. Do that. Will Rogers delivers. Massimo Biscardi makes his field goals. Punting and the coverage does their job. Make a break or two in the kicking game. And this team is entirely capable of nine wins. And with injuries, with chaos otherwise, with some wild-eyed predictors out there, have even suggested double-digit potential. I'm a little more hesitant because that gets into the wishful thinking area of what if some breaks go the right way. Well, State's owed some breaks this year, i.e., Flag at Arkansas, missed field goals in the Egg Bowl, uh, gaffes in the Memphis game officiating, hither and so on. Do those breaks go state's way this time? Maybe. But maybe the larger point is, is this team capable of making its own breaks? From what I have seen firsthand in practice and talking to the players, talking to the coaches, talking to my own peers, and talking to people who know much more about football than most of us ever can. This is a pretty good Mississippi State team playing a really, really tough schedule. But I don't think it's going to fall into the case of better team, worse record. I don't think so. I think it's going to be better team, better record in 2022. That the investment in Mike Leach as head coach to transform the offense into something utterly unlike anything ever done at Mississippi State in modern memory, this is the year it pays off. This is the year it has to pay off because the pressure is now on. The COVID year, yes, it totally disrupted the program beyond any recognition. And I will always insist that had they been allowed to practice in spring, that offense would already be months ahead of the development curve than they were by the end of 2020. But all that's in the past now. Excuses are gone. The personnel's in place. The roster's been rebuilt in your own image. So now it's time to go out and even against a tougher schedule and against a bunch of teams 
that all have weaknesses, but all have strengths in the SEC, and certainly in the Western Division once you get past those guys across the line in Tuscaloosa. You write your own faith this season. This should not be a year where you depend on luck or breaks. This team should be good enough to go out and make its own breaks. So that's our predictions for this preseason. Eight and four. Write it down if you dare. Well, I just wrote it down because I had to write a script here, and it will be inscribed forever to be thrown back in my face once the season's over or during the process. But that's what we're used to, and that's why we get paid the um, modest bucks we do to be your editor here at Gene's Page, Dog's Bite, and in the Doghouse, which is sponsored by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray. Good to talk to you, and stay tuned next week because we're going to go into a multi-podcasting schedule once the season's in action. Again, tune into Gene's page on Monday post Mike Leach's press conference. Yes, he's notoriously late for those things, but eventually he'll show up to media. Steve and I will be talking about what he said, what we think he said, what we believe he said. We'll be going through uh, other material as well. Uh, see who we get to talk to as far as players and coaches in the coming up week. And then let's go play football on Scott Field this coming Saturday evening. And we'll talk about it again here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network.